Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the I Don't Get It podcast. Um, we are not together anymore, unfortunately. We're all on different sides of the country. But I just wanted to introduce our guest today, who I found, of course, doing my favorite hobby, scrolling on TikTok. Um, so <laughs> I always get nervous before going to, like, a wedding or anywhere, like, a dinner, like, like, Hunter bringing me to a dinner where I know there's going to be other like wives and fiancés and girlfriends there. And I know I'm going to be kind of stuck in a conversation that may be uncomfortable. So I get very nervous and I came across this TikTok account and it basically deals mostly with social anxiety and it is Lily and Lily's here right right now. And she is an anxiety coach and also a school therapist. So I thought it'd be amazing to have her come on and talk about social anxiety because I know a lot of you guys out there probably like me get nervous before going into any social situation even though i talk and on I, a podcast for a living <laughs> that's hilarious <laughs> well not in front of a bunch of people but i also think this is super timely because even if you're someone that doesn't or hasn't struggled with social anxiety we're living in such a high time of anxiety we're all coming out of this pandemic and we're all going on dates for the first time again we're all in groups of big people again and i think inherently these situations are lending themselves for everyone to easily just develop social anxiety all right. Well, Lily, hello there. <laughs> Hi. Thank you so much for being here. You're, you're, you've been a psychologist for how long? 12 years. Yeah, I've been a school psychologist for 12 years. Amazing. So what's grades? What's the range? Um, I've worked in preschool through high school, and I'm the lead school psychologist in my district. So I supervise about six psychologists and in our TK through 12th. Um, but I've been at the high school recently. Wow. So I guess like at this point in time, what are kids going through? What's the major issue? Um, well, returning to school, um, is I've had some students who, you know, this year, I guess it was kids being affected by COVID. I have, I also do see students in elementary school and I had one girl who lost her grandfather and her Mm. uncle to COVID. So there was, she actually has, um, really great social skills, really great, um, she's very emotionally intelligent, but so it's that. So she's actually really nervous about going out into the world and returning. Oh. To I never um, thought about I, that with kids, you know? I feel like they don't even think about it. 
Yeah. I have family friends and they have kids who are 12 and nine. And I was talking to them about going back to school and they were like, I really don't want to go. They literally were like, we, I don't want to go. I feel like it's going to be super weird. Everyone's different now. And one of them gained weight. Mm -hmm. So he was also nervous about that. Yeah. Yeah. My kids are really, um, they felt they were like, didn't feel very impacted by COVID and they're excited. They're back. Um, another thing is the vaccine stuff. You know, my daughter's vaccinated, but I know that there's some thoughts with teens. Um, and there is, there's that some kids don't want to go back. They really liked it. Um, but some kids are excited, but I think that there's some anticipation of like the connections aren't as strong as they were maybe before. So this would be time too. And as I was thinking about our social anxiety topic, my kids are switching schools. And I was like thinking, I'm meeting new moms. And I'm like, oh, it's, it's, it's all time. I mean, it's, even if it's people we know, it is going out into the world, like in a new way. You know, I know that a lot of us, I really like that, have been inside a lot. And now it's just, we're more social, whether we're kids going back to school or adults going back to the office or going to more weddings, more parties, supermarkets. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's what I was thinking. I was like, okay, I bet you what the kids are experiencing right now is not far off from what the adults are experiencing. And I just want to, before we go any further, let people know that you are, you can be found on peace within on Instagram and that you're, you're garnering quite a following. Um, you make a whole bunch of relatable anxiety, um, anxiety, TikToks reels and, reels. and TikToks, <laughs> and you, um, I think you're speaking to a lot of people. How has that response been? Well, thank you so much. I think I feel like I'm a bit of like an awkward person. And so like doing reels is actually more, um, and like TikToks, it's like my niche in a way. I'm like, oh, I can be like my weird self for like, uh, 10 seconds. And, um, and I always thought that there was something really wrong with me with how anxious I was. I was very like shy and socially anxious as a little kid, um, with some OCD tendencies and, and then socially anxious as a teenager, even though I was very, very social. Um, but, and then it got weirder, um, as an adult, but then I got to a good feeling place. And by sharing it on social media and having so many people say, Oh my gosh. Um, and I think because I'm on the other side, I could put into words what I felt like I wasn't able to express. Um, you know, I would even tell like psychiatrists or people things. And I felt like, uh, like they weren't able to really understand me and I still felt weird. And so when I'll explain, say, for example, like derealization or intrusive thoughts or what like my panic attacks were like, and people say, Oh my gosh, I couldn't put that into words. And I'm like, me either. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm like, I'm happy to give you those words. Um, so it's been, it's been honestly the most fulfilling, um, part of my life as strange as that sounds. Um, it's sometimes I'm like, I could die happy right now by the the support and the love that I get. So I'm great. Well, you're helping so many people because so many people are anxious and I'd love to do a brief oral history of anxiety as someone who studies it and helps people with it. I don't even think I remember saying the word or knowing the concept of anxiety um, 
until the last 10 years. Mm-hmm. When, I, when I was in college, I don't remember anyone talking about anxiety. And I'm a millennial. So I think after 2011, 2012, when I entered my 20s, all of a sudden I started hearing this word a lot. I have anxiety. It's anxiety. And then it was like, okay, well, whatever. What does that mean? You know, like popping Adderall. Like, I don't, I don't know what it is. Sleep it off. And now, of course, in the last, I think in the course of the last six four to six years, everyone's like, no, 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 this is like a, this is a mental health issue. This is a big thing. So I'm curious to know is, are we just living in more anxious times? Um, or, and is anxiety just more prevalent now or has this been around forever and we're just labeling it now? Well, I mean, anxiety has been around forever in just that it's, it's like evolutionary, but I think what we're seeing is more disordered anxiety. And so even, you know, there's this analogy that I like. So like if we were cave people and in our caves at night and somebody was like, oh my gosh, I have an idea. Let's go get some food. Let's go hunt right now. And then some other people were picturing hunting and then like a woolly mammoth coming and killing them because it's like really dark. And they're like, wait, I I pictured something bad happening. Like, let's not do it. And they were a bit more cautious. Um, That could have been thought of as an anxious thought. It's not disordered, but the people that were like more carefree, the cave people were, we're going hunting and then they died. Um, and so it's we're evolving. So the anxious people are surviving longer. Yeah. yeah. So those are our ancestors, the people that might've been a bit more cautious, you know, and also um, anxiety, like the fight or flight is evolved from those times of when we were outside, hopefully it was the daytime when you were hunting and you're like, oh my gosh, I think I hear a noise. Um, You're going to fight or, you know, flee for your life. So it's, there's actually physiological changes that happen to get your body to run or fight and save your life, you know, so that, you know, when people, they get, might get lightheaded, it's because either the blood bite might go to your big muscles to get you ready to run or your head think, or when you have these chest, your chest feels weird. It's actually that your chest muscles are constricting to protect your, your internal organs. So anxiety is, so when you learn about all, like there's all of this correlation to the physical symptoms, which people just think, oh my gosh, like my, they get really scared by them, but it's actually our body making us strong, making us safe, trying to save our lives. And our body is able to be in that stage of fight or flight for up to 30 minutes every 24 to 72 hours. But we're people are often in that more yeah. because, you know, it's before it's like, okay, you're going to go and hunt or, you know, something random happens. But now it's like the lights are really bright at Target and it could, and then you. But isn't that fear? Yeah, yeah. Is, is it the same or well, what's the difference? Well, it's fear. I mean, it's, it's all kind of the same. It's just different words, but for, it can become a habit. So it can become habitual and it it can get sticky in that it's not often the symptoms or the thoughts or the fear. It's then people add on all these layers about it. And so say it just was somebody wasn't, didn't have disordered anxiety, but they were really busy at work. Something had happened in their personal life, you know, whatever, whatever. And then they're at target and all of a sudden, you know, they, they keep getting slacks on their phone and they hadn't eaten whatever, a perfect storm. And the lights are so bright and it's like panic attack and they had never experienced it. And with panic attacks, it can either, somebody can think they're having a heart attack, they're having a stroke, or if it involves derealization or depersonalization, that's when it's like, the world seems weird. Um, and 
then they can think, I never want that to happen again. Oh my gosh. Mm -hmm. And so that can, when it can kind of become more of a, a, a sticky cycle and that they might think, let me be on guard. Like what happened that day? Mm -hmm. Um, Oh my gosh. And I should never go into target. And um, like, how can I prevent it? And, and it can get, I'm sure I could go on and on, but I don't want to like be boring in that. But I, I don't know if I answered your question exactly in that are more people experiencing disordered anxiety? Um, I don't, I don't know. I mean, it could also be people are talking about mental health more and anxiety more, which is really great. I know that, you know, celebrities and even sports stars and men are coming out and talking about it. And it might've been, um, and I think especially like, okay, let's, let's talk about therapy. Let's talk about treatment. And with a lot of like online therapy forms and, you know, little apps on your phone too, where I think there was a lot of stigma around therapy, mental health, anxiety. And I do feel like in the past 10 years, there's been a lot of work to kind of break that stigma. So it could be that we're just more aware of it. Um, But also social media and all of that can also add anxiety as well. So, and also I think when, because it can cause us kind of be more in our head and not as present and compare more. um, Or also some of it can be helpful but not helpful too, yeah. because then people can like be more hyper aware of their mental health or sometimes get this message. Like I'm just an anxious person, or I'm just going to have this forever. Um, but I'll, I'll stop talking. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, I mean, this is absolutely not in any way a cure to anxiety, but if you do want to drink go to a party at the go end of the party. day, go to the party. Go to a party and bring this, and this will help break the ice. Okay, well, That's actually, that such works. A good idea, actually, Lauren. wait, that is so smart because we're talking about Coors Pure right now, guys. And Coors Pure is a truly special beer that really can get the convo started because it's all organic. It has zero sugar. So, I mean, what other beer do you know that has zero sugar and is organic? Exactly. And so it's, it's only seven, it's 92 calories. It's bound to be a hit. People are going to be obsessed with you for bringing it in. And it's the reason why I love Coors Pure is because I feel like I can still keep up with my healthy lifestyle, but still let loose and have fun when I go to a party. You know what yeah. I, mean? I mean? I feel like when you're, when you're trying to be healthy, you just feel like you have to try all the time and you have to sacrifice so many things, which is just, you know, the worst. So yeah, thank God course. for Coors Pure. Coors Pure is the perfect beer to celebrate the wins of everyday life. And don't forget, they're chill about it. So when you want to enjoy beer without the guilt... Reach for Coors Pure. It's organic, but chill about it. Go to CoorsPure.com to see where you can find Coors Pure. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Albany, Georgia. How do you know without a doctor's, I guess you need to have a doctor's um, analysis to kind of say whether you have just like bouts of anxiety or whether or not you have disordered anxiety, right? Well, I mean, the thing is, sure, you could in terms of, yeah, getting like medical treat, you know, if you were wanting to go on medication, but if you're feeling like, I don't, that somehow you're not present, you're not happy, you're not as in a place of well-being, like you can just go to therapy right then, or you can make life changes, or you could talk to a coach, or you could talk to a psychologist, and you never have to wait for it to be really bad, mm-hmm. because all of these are just signals. Um, and the earlier we catch it, the better off. And so anytime we start like losing our contentment, not being as present. That could be, you could just go to your, whether it's your regular doctor or your 
I think there's so many different forms of healing. But yeah, if you want a diagnosis, you could go to somebody, but you never have to wait, I guess is my point. It doesn't have to get disordered. Um, it can be like, oh my gosh, like I'm, I'm worrying more. I'm, or I'm like, you know, I'm coming home at night and thinking about all the things that I said at this party. Yeah. Um, maybe something as small as that to something big, like I, you know, you're not traveling or you're having a hard time going to work or. I think that with, with last show, were you going to say? Oh, depression and anxiety are so tied together so much so that like a lot of the medications that treat one treat the other as well. What do you think usually comes first? <laughs> Is it like a chicken or the egg situation? Well, that's a really great question. I mean, I think that some people are more prone. So I have a, I work with a, um, a retired psychiatrist who I just love. He's uh, my mentor. And so even though I'm an anxiety coach, my training as a school psychologist, I always continue my education. So I'm doing this like intensive certification. And he points to the fact that we people are more prone to like certain, what he'll call them signals. So it's like somebody might be more prone to depression or kind of those lower mood signals. And somebody might be more prone to like kind of like tension and thoughts, which can be more anxiety. But so in terms of what would come first, somebody's kind of low mood depression, you mean, or anxiety, is that what you're talking about? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that would be individual because I think, and also sometimes with anxiety, if you're feeling anxious and then you're have these great intentions of like, okay, I'm going to be hyper aware. I'm going to prevent these panic attacks, or I'm going to I'm going to change my diet. I'm going to X, Y, and Z, which sometimes can be helpful, but sometimes it can be like actually too much. Mm-hmm. And then you can continuously have anxiety and panic attacks and then be like, oh my gosh, just nothing's working. And then you might fall into a depression of kind of feeling hopeless. Um, and, but some people might be more prone to depression. Um, it's all chemical really, right? Mm-hmm. How do you, I was going to say, how do you know what you're more prone to? Well, I guess I think that would be just... Uh, Is there a way to find out? Oh, well, I think it's... I mean, I don't know if there's like tests. It would be more just like the observation and it could be certain periods. You know what I mean? Right. Like, I feel like right. when I... But, and I can even look back like... So not not that I know, but also like there are so many people that might know more like the neurological stuff behind it. But you know, somebody more prone to anxiety might first just like be a little bit caught up in their thoughts. They might be not as content. They might have like a more busy mind and those would be like early signals. And then they might have like little phobias of like, oh, I don't, I don't like that elevator or I'm a bit afraid of travel, but like that's kind of localized, you know, where it's like, oh no, I don't drive on the freeway. Don't love planes. Then they live kind of a normal, normal life. Um, And then it can get more general, but somebody with depression, it might just be like, oh, they get a little bit sad. They get a little melancholy. They cancel plans maybe a bit more. And so I guess those are just like being curious about, oh, what are, what are my signals and having them all just be signals of like, oh, wait, my, either I'm doing too much or my thinking is off. Um, and it doesn't need to be a time to freak out. It can be a time to like get quiet and reflect. Mm -hmm. And then, so a lot of my training is like, then we go within because we all have, we have the answers. And so it could be, um, it's so individual for people, but somebody, maybe if they were like noticing that they were depressed, it could be if they got quiet because they noticed like, oh, they're not laughing as much. They're not, 
Um, They're not sleeping as much. And then if they got quiet, they might be like, oh my gosh, you know what? Yeah, I've been, I don't think I've taken a vacation. I think I've worked every weekend. I I think that I'm whatever X, Y, and Z. I don't know. So as a social anxiety coach, my, my social anxiety has like, I remember being a teenager in like early twenties and being like, let's go to a party. Let's go in that room. Let's talk to everyone. Let's ask them everything and not think twice about what I said. And then now I'm, as I'm 30, it's gotten to a point. Like, I mean, I don't, I don't like freak out. I'm not terrible at it, but I just, I really don't enjoy it. I don't go, I don't like meeting new people. I don't know what to say after the initial, like, hello, I'm Lauren. And then they're like, Oh, how's it going? What do you do? And I'm like, that's it. That's all I got, you know? So what's mm-hmm. some like tips that you can tell us to like get us through these initial awkward conversations with people that you, you don't know? Yeah. Lauren psychs herself out and she like, she, she psychs herself out with the thought that she's not interesting and has nothing to add. Okay. Okay. Well, Lauren, Ashley brings up a good point because what I want to know in your answer is, is it all internal is it more self-worth and these fictional narratives? Like, because Lauren, in reality, we're never going to be able to avoid in life awkward situations. Well, yeah. Do you I, know what I mean? Yeah, of course. I just want to know if there's any, like, trigger question that can get the ball rolling and make everyone comfortable or something. Right. Yeah. And that's, I love that you, I feel like you already answered it. You're like, oh, Lauren will get caught up in her thoughts and kind of psych herself out, you know? Um, and it seems like, what, what was different when you were in high school and college? I have I don't know. This the, my uh, front more confidence. My, my my frontal lobe wasn't developed, so I didn't think about consequences very well. Yeah. Well, <laughs> but I mean, I think that's kind of phrasing it in a different way. When it's like maybe now you're you just got in the habit of kind of like psyching yourself out yeah. and the worst case scenario. But so I think remembering that there. I, I do have a few things too, but I also think it's personal, but remembering like they're there too. These are new people too. And sometimes we think that like, oh my gosh, I have to meet them. Do I have anything interesting to say? But no, like they're in that same boat too. You know, so many more people, um, somebody might look at you and be like, wait, but like you have all of these cool things and you're gorgeous and you're this, and they might be really intimidated. So to think they're probably a bit nervous themselves too. Yeah. Um, I think going in with a fun, lighthearted attitude of like, oh, it doesn't have to be as serious. You know, when you were saying like your frontal cortex is more developed, what if, you know, I think it's like, it's unnecessarily so, which I totally relate to too. Like a huge part going back to even depression and anxiety is like, we're taking life too seriously. When uh, my mentor that I was talking of, Dr. Bill Pettit, he says, if I haven't had a hearty laugh by noon, that lets me know I'm taking my life way too seriously. And I still take my life seriously, but so it might be like, oh, wait, knowing you don't have to take, take it so seriously, mm-hmm. going in with this fun, lighthearted attitude. I think listening deeply is very helpful. So I mean, I think it's more helpful than saying, here's this one question that's going to open it up because it will be unique. And if you're listening and you're curious, then, and it could be that they're, I don't know, they're like a rocket scientist or maybe they're a musician or whatever. They do like children's book publishing or editing. And you're like, tell me about that. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I'm sure we've all heard that before, but people do like talking about themselves. Um, and that also it's normal that your mind is going to wander. We're going to get caught up in our thinking. We might get distracted. And then if you say to them, like, anytime you notice that, oh, then you kind of bring it back. Because when you're present and you're listening deeply, then you're you're engaged and there's nothing more than that. Yeah. Um, 
And I think that another thing is like, if you're just yourself, because the same things that would turn someone off could be the, the exact same thing that is someone's favorite thing and what they most admire about you and people will be drawn to you. You know, like I'm the things that I think people could judge me on in terms of like anxiety or mental health or like so many things are the same things that draw people to me. Yeah. And sometimes think like, oh my God, I'm not interesting. What do I have to share? Um, I think just when you're yourself, I know that's such like canned advice too. No. But I was, I went to a dinner, like it was, I just, it's kind of crazy. What I'm thinking now is that I am the adult in this, in a lot of situations, I am the adult. And I think I got to wrap my head around that. I feel like I have to be like this proper lady that is like having meaningful conversations. And that stresses me out, first of all. So now I'm having all these adult dinners and I feel like I don't listen to anything anyone is saying because I'm so worried about what I'm going to say. And our mom's the same way. Yeah. It's hereditary. Yeah. If you're dealing with anxiety, we cannot think of a better way to help you work through it, treat it, than literally one of our favorite sponsors on this podcast, BetterHelp. So a way that you can like help out our show if you guys love listening to the I Don't Get It podcast, but also help out yourself is through going through our sponsor, BetterHelp. BetterHelp's awesome because they're committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches and they make it really easy and free for you to connect you with a counselor. And what's awesome is that it's world, like you can be from any part of the world and use BetterHelp. They have clients worldwide who have a broad range of expertise available. Um, things like depression, anxiety, like what this podcast is about, um, which we know manifests itself in relationships, sleeping, trauma, self-esteem, all the stuff that Ashley and Lauren and I are basically sharing on this episode. Mm-hmm. And everything you share is confidential. Yeah. And you guys, it's timely. Like you're going to be able to start communicating with a therapist in under 24 hours. And you can do weekly video phone sessions with all without having to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room or anything like that. We want you to start living a happier, healthier life today. As a listener, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting betterhelp.com slash get it. Join over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp.com slash get it. And fun fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp that they're recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. So betterhelp.com slash get it. Yes. And if you guys also um, like got word that you have to go to a wedding, a party, have to do a presentation, go back to work, go back to school, and you're really worried about it, you can start talking to a therapist in 24 hours so you don't have to do that alone. Anyways, go to betterhelp.com slash get it. I have, I have Lauren's version of, anxi- of that anxiety in my professional area of life. So when I'm interviewing someone... I feel like I don't use big enough words or I'm not as intelligent as they are and people are going to find out how dumb I am or how uneducated I am. (laughs) Or um, it it really is comparison, I think, is where my anxiety comes from, which, as you know, comparison is a thief of joy. But I think it's exactly what you're saying. It's me sort of wanting to be somebody I'm not. to be another interview that I watched that morning that I thought was so good. Um, and, and I'll never be that. And so I'm scared. I'm scared that I'll never be that. And so no one will like it. But then that person may like you more than the other person. Or it won't be good enough. Yeah. Yeah. 
Exactly. And I think it's just this misconception that you're somehow something's wrong with us. You know, somehow something's wrong with you. Somehow you should be different. And it's all just a misconception. And it's all just this innocent misuse of the gift of thought. Um, And I'll do that same thing, both in personal and in business. I'll hear, you know, some of my mentors talk and they're like so slow. And I feel like you leave being like, oh my gosh, I feel so good. And I'll hear myself. And I'm like, oh my God, and then this, this. And I'm yes, like, oh no. Like yes, I, I, yeah. same way. I also have a really hard time with pronunciation. Um, and I feel like I'm just an idiot, you know? And, yeah. um, and sometimes I'll hear myself after on a podcast or something. And I'm like, oh no, like you are just, but then I realize exactly, as you said, Lauren, people are going to want to work with me. Maybe they're not going to want to work with somebody that is, more eloquent or has a more like Buddhist peaceful way of talking Mm -hmm. because we're all individuals. And I think like embracing exactly who we are and knowing like, Oh my gosh, we just get so caught up, but so many people. And that was before one of my groups, it was like my biggest group that I had had in October. I like totally got in my head for a minute. And then my boyfriend said, um, and he's a director. And so a lot of his friends are directors. And he said that one of his friends who's like really successful had this fear, like, what if they find out that I, that I'm horrible, that I don't know what I'm talking about, that I like, it was this imposter syndrome. And to realize like, oh my gosh, even he has that was really like, oh, we're just that we create these like illusions in our mind. Um, And that was really, really helpful to me. I feel like I didn't word that well, what exactly what his friend said, but that was like, because I'm sure people could look at all of you and be like, what do you all, what do any of you have to be um, worried about in terms of any, you know, social or, but we're all just humans too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How much of anxiety is rooted in realism and how much of it is fictitious, fictional, negative, fictitious, negative thinking and thoughts? Well, I mean, I think the fight or flight you know, and freeze response, that's real, you know, when you, Mm -hmm. and so if we have that kind of life or death response where, you know, maybe a today thing, it's like our child or somebody we love is about to like be hit by a car or someone's going to attack us or um, whatever. It's like, we actually really have to go into extreme kind of, ah, like fight or flight. Um, But the rest is honestly fictitious. Um, not by any fault, because I'll still get caught up in, in my thinking too. But, you know, often we can think, well, we're going to get fired. No one's going to like us. Someone's going to break up with us. Or, and also at the root of it is that we think we're going to be stuck in this state of emotional suffering forever. So whether it's like, we're going to be in this business meeting and not use the right words, which would lead whatever, somebody to judge us and we're going to be embarrassed and we're going to be embarrassed forever, which is untrue too. Or even in a social event that like, I'm going to be stuck in this awkward conversation and I'm going to feel X, Y, and Z. Sometimes you are stuck in the conversation. Yeah, Yeah, but but not forever forever. too. Also that we can never stay in a state of emotional suffering forever. So even if you're in that conversation, it's going to be ebbs and flows um, with our, because our thoughts are transient by nature. They're always flowing. And so you might have one thought of like, you could have a thought of, you know, I'm such an idiot. They're not going to like me, whatever, whatever. But if you're not super caught up in them, they'll just flow. And next thing you know, like, my gosh, what, 
what foods over there? Like what shoes is she wearing? Like, or you'll just have a new thought. You'll think of a song, you'll think of something. And that's, that was so exciting for me when I realized that I didn't need to control my thoughts because they flow. And when our thoughts flow and our feelings flow, and we're like not kind of stuck, even an anxious thought, if I could be at Target and think like, oh, what if I have a panic attack? Mm-hmm. And I realized like, that's kind of a, a fictitious thought in that like, okay, you know, um, all right, that's fine. It's not anything to worry about. And then when I kind of have that thought, I'm free to be like, oh, do I need laundry detergent? And it like, and I move on and rather than being like, no, I can't have a panic attack. Oh my gosh, what am I going to do? Um, and give that a whole load of energy and then be like, I just need to leave. Um, what Ashley and I do, Ashley is my sister. We, I don't know, biologically, if we think, oh, I'm going to have a panic attack or, oh, my plane's going to go down or something like that. We go, okay, well then throw that piece of paper out three times. And well, you know, that's what I wanted to get to compulsions in a second, but I also had to sort of make the joke that you said like, Oh, what food is going on over there? That's, well, my that's problem. the best conversation I'll be the starter. Mi- I'll be in the middle of a conversation with somebody. And then I see <laughs> the food came out and then I'm like, I, I, I lost my train of thought and I am uh, not interested at all anymore. Just get that in my mouth. I also get really worried when uh, I, I also get more anxious when I'm not sitting down in a social environment i don't know if that's a thing but i need to be able to feel settled and comfortable in order to properly engage if like i'm standing at a bar and i just don't feel like i'm in like one spot to fully Mm -hmm. give myself give myself that person's attention whoo that really stresses me out i don't know if that's normal well i mean i think the thing is it doesn't matter if it's normal or not if it's like to tend to take your your the pressure off yourself and say my preference is to feel settled grounded oh i don't love you know, but you can do it, but it's just not your prep. Yeah. And then when you yeah. take that pressure off of oh, what's wrong with me, whether then you might say to somebody like, can we sit down? I like, yeah. I, I feel like I can focus more when I'm, when I'm, yeah. you know, when, when it's, you're standing, yeah, it's, it's like, not. there's no end. That's not the end game. The end game is not right. to be standing the whole time. It feels temporary. Yeah. And I can't like give somebody attention when I, so I'm in a temporary spot. Anyway, yeah, let's go into compulsions now because Lauren and, um, Lauren and I definitely have some OCD like tendencies. And when we say that, we don't mean like, oh my God, it needs to be sparkling clean. Like, I'm not kidding you. I still to this day in my bathroom at home in Virginia at our parents' house, before I go to bed, I have to look behind the curtain, the the shower curtain, well, one good time. And if I don't do it good, then I have to do it five times. And then I have to hold on the light switch five, five seconds and like all that stuff. How in the world do we talk ourselves out of that? Because if I don't do it, you know, somebody in the family will die the next day. I wonder if anyone out there who has no like tendencies like this understands, you know? I don't, I don't have those tendencies and I, uh, I get it. I, but in my head, I'm like, is this OCD? Yeah. That's, is that OCD? Yeah. Well, I mean, people came up with labels and diagnoses so doctors can have a common language, but it's like OCD is just a made up term too, you know? And I feel like we're all not to be like, we're all a little OCD, but there's a spectrum of behavior. And for some people, their obsessions and compulsions can be so disordered that it can stop them from being able to work or to function. And so there's various levels, but with OCD, someone can have obsessions, these fears, you know, these kind of looping thoughts and then compulsions in a way that will help. Oh my gosh. Like, let me get rid of some of this anxiety, whether it's, I'm not sure exactly what your anxiety is at night, you know, or that like, 
and then you've tied it to somebody might die the next day. Um, oh, yeah. So in a way to be like, well, if I can check behind here, if I can do these light switch, like, okay, I'm good. Um, Giving control over your anxiety, kind of. Yeah. Like, you feel like you can control it. Like, if I can just touch a light switch, then we'll all be fine. Rather than like, it correlates to if I eat this salad, I will be skinny. Yeah, kind of, some yeah. kind of control. And it's, let's clarify for the audience, it's definitely different than being superstitious. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And it is because what is there is this, and I guess maybe there could be anxiety with superstitions too, but somebody, you know, it's kind of more fun. It's like, oh my gosh, my favorite team, I'm going to put my sweatshirt, I'm not going to wash it. It's like, like there's, there's not like torment, you know, Uh, Mm -hmm. and it's like, oh, the team lost, like, oh, rats, it was my sweatshirt was off, you know, or whatever. Like it's, it's a more like lighthearted, I mean, not that all superstitions are lighthearted, but, um, and that kind of goes back to when we were talking about like a state of emotional suffering, which the compulsions think like, I need to end this uncomfortable feeling. And if I do this, I will end it. And that's where it's just a misunderstanding that we need to do anything. Um, and it can just be a habit. And our lizard brain, which is the most primitive part of our brain, that's the part that keeps these habits alive. That's kind of like our sex drive, eating, you know? And so the lizard brain thinks that this habit, the light switches, the shower curtain, it's like, this is life or death, but it's not very evolved. So it's like, okay, here we are. We're in this habit. Um, And so if you're like not doing it, uh, but it seems like also there's some like of the just right in there, which I'm not, you know, diagnosing with OCD, but sometimes it's like, this also just right. So it's like, wait, that didn't feel right. I need to do it again. Um, which is kind of the problem with, cause sometimes it's, so you're like, Oh wait, you know what? Every night before bed, I flick the light switch five times. All right. Like if you, if you don't really have a lot of thinking about that, it feels good almost every night. Like, okay. Like you, I'm sure it's like, all right, if that's like a ritual, yeah, like, like okay. if it seems like a comforting ritual, it's not that bad. Well, I mean, if that's all you do, but if you were like, Hey, I don't like this, I want to stop. But I guess my, my point is, I think you said, how do we think our way out of it? Yeah. Um, we cannot because that's <laughs> crazy making to try to like think our way out of it. I mean, there's a bunch of different treatments or like healing ways. And I guess I'm going to share, it's not mine, but the one that I found that's like, just rings the truest for me. And Mm -hmm. I feel like there's two parts. And some of the first is like kind of the science, like feeding our intellect and understanding why we have these habits. And that's kind of with the lizard brain of like, oh, this lizard brain thinks that like, this is life or death. Let's keep this habit. Let's keep doing it. Um, But we actually have this higher part of our brain that can decide, oh, um, I don't, I don't want to keep doing this. And so you might have the thought, but, um, and it can be the urge to do it. I've heard an analogy that it can be like an alarm clock. And so it could be like startling, um, like, wait, I didn't, I didn't get it right. Mm -hmm. You have to do it. You know, especially if you're thinking of like not doing it, it's like this alarm, but just as an alarm cannot get you out of bed, that urge can't actually make you do it. Um, and then, and then a big part is just understanding that our thoughts create our reality, but our thoughts are not reality. And so Mm -hmm. have a thought, I have to do this. And you might have some uncomfortable feelings of like, what's wrong with me that I have to do this. I don't know if I want to stop, or I don't know if I can stop. I've been doing this for so long, just do it tonight. 
you know, your family's not going to die, but what if they do just do it? It's like all of these thoughts. And then what if they do tomorrow? And then it was the one day. And then I'm like, see, it worked. It kept them safe. Yeah. And so noticing, okay, you're going to have these thoughts and you're going to have feelings that go with them too, you know? Um, So if you don't do it and then you have these feelings, then we think, oh my gosh, these, these thoughts must be true. You know, that's what I used to think right. as a girl, as a little girl, um, and then as an adult too, but I had similar thoughts of my parents dying. You know, I, they'd go out to dinner okay. and like, they're dying for sure. Oh my God, that's that was me. I, I hated it when they went on date night because I was like, they're going to just go die in the car without me there and I'm going to be an orphan. Always, same with me. And then I would feel bad and I thought, well, I must be having a premonition because like, I feel bad. So that strengthened yeah. my thought. But yep. now I know, oh my gosh, that didn't mean that that thought was true. I was not having a premonition. I felt bad because because I was thinking sad thoughts, you know, but I then would get into the habit of going like one day, I guess I just smelled my mom's sweaters and I, Mm -hmm. Um, Oh, I love that. (laughs) Yes. I would do that whenever they dropped me off at my grandparents. Um, but then they didn't die. And then I kind of fell into the, well, now I should do this every time. And like, I catch me right. like enjoying a movie with a babysitter and I'd be like, oh, go to the sweaters. Um, yeah. <laughs> okay. It's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with bite. And you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at home impression kit today for only 1495 at bite.com. Bite Clear Liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. I normally find bras to be so uncomfortable and constricting, but Skims has changed that. You know I love Skims underwear, so I finally tried their bras, and Skims has delivered again. Skims bras are worth the hype for the amazing shape and support they give, but what I wasn't expecting was how comfortable they are too. I've tried so many bras in the past, and the main issue that I have is that they weren't supportive enough, to the point where they felt slouchy. I love my Skims wireless form bra because it's so comfortable and supportive. The older I get, the more I care about actually being comfortable in what I wear every day. And with my wireless form bra, I no longer have to sacrifice my comfort for the support I need. Shop Skims Bras at Skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A to 46H. Plus, get free shipping on all orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select Podcast in the survey, and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. But... I guess kind of going back to what you were talking about. So one understanding thoughts, okay, we're going to have these thoughts does not mean that they're true. Does not mean that they're meaningless. They're not like letting you know, Uh 
to do something to save somebody's life. So it's like, oh, understanding thoughts and feelings and that we're always going to have a thought before feeling, even if we're not conscious of it, because sometimes we're just, we're not. Um, and then I guess another part um, is, is noticing when you're scaring yourself with your thoughts, which kind of goes, you know, putting pressure on yourself, overwhelm, which can go back to all of what we were talking mm-hmm. about with social anxiety, um, whether it's in a like personal or professional. And then this, it seems like, oh, wait, like you're, you're just kind of getting caught up in your thinking and your thinking is off. Um, and then I guess it's deciding, is this causing you stress, the, the rituals that you do at night? Um, and then deciding, yeah, it is, I, I don't want to do it. But I guess the way that I would go about it is really like raising your well-being and not focusing on stopping the behavior because behavior change happens as a result of insights and your well-being rises. Mm-hmm. And, and then with that, you might notice like, oh my gosh, I, I, uh, I didn't even do, I, I, I went bed. And I think that's where it's like long lasting change. Cause sometimes when we put so much pressure on, okay, I need to not do these, this ritual at night, um, or these compulsions at night, there's so much like layered thinking on it, which actually creates more anxiety. Cause then it's like, you put this, like, okay, I have to feel a certain way before and after. And then sometimes you think today's not the day I'm tired. I had a meeting. There's all of these reasons. Right. When you go about like raising your well being, then you're kind of present, you're content and you get close to bed and you might be like, Oh, I didn't even think of it. If that kind of makes sense. Right. Yeah, it does. I mean, for me, I just feel like the answer is just like, trust yourself more, be more confident, love yourself, which is like the answer to everything. And it's so much easier said than done because we're all just like, well, how, you know, and I know this stuff takes years and years of healing through various forms that work for different people. But is there something that we, when we get in that vicious cycle of negative thoughts, um, is there something we can say back to them that you have found has worked for you or people that you work with that maybe doesn't cure the issue, but softens the blow or makes those thoughts go away? Yeah. And that's such a good question. And I totally was with you where I felt like it took years and years, but so I'll share what was the most transformative for me was learning about the three principles and they're just understanding human psychological functioning. So like when I feel like when I say the three principles, they sound like weird and culty and I'm like, "Mm." but Mm -hmm. they were founded in 1970 by a man named Sidney Banks, who he was actually at like a marriage retreat. And he was talking to, I think a psychologist or a psychiatrist. And Sidney was like, I'm so insecure. I'm so, you know, and he, him and his wife, and he'd been doing so many different, I don't know, retreats and healing processes. And the psychiatrist said, you're not insecure. You just think you are. And something about that, Sydney had this insight that mm. it was like a bull, like a bomb went off and a lifetime of insecurities was lifted from his shoulders. And yeah. he had this huge kind of spiritual awakening and all these insights. And he was a Scottish welder with a ninth grade education, but he wrote so many books. Um, he has six books and the way that he shares the insights and the three principles, which is one was like about thoughts and how, you know, our thoughts create a reality and also that they flow and talked about, you know, our wisdom that we all have this innate wisdom in us and, and about love. And so really 
I don't think it has to take years. And that's what he had shared, that it's this misunderstanding that to get to a good feeling place is going to take years and we're going to have to go back and figure out our, our right, right. And he's like, oh no, with, with these insights and that insights change everything. And often we need to give our intellect a break to like hear our wisdom more. So I guess what I would share is if people like anything that I'm talking about, um, checking out the work of Sidney Banks. He's the founder. There are so many people that have gone on to write about his work too, and they're all great, but I feel like going to the source. So I can even tell you, if you go to sidbanks.com, you can listen to his Long Beach lectures for free. And he has six books. The Missing Link is great. It's his first book. And so to like listen or to, if you're listening or to reading with just this open, mm-hmm. curious mind, like not trying to solve it, not trying to figure it out to listen for a feeling And then I think people will have their own insight. So for me, when I get caught up in my thinking, which sometimes is every day, I'll feel this like little gentle hand on my shoulder. And that's kind of like my wisdom. And it will just let me know, oh, like I'm caught up in my thinking. Like it's kind of, so it's this feeling of like, oh, it's not that big of a deal. It's not that serious. Like what if I loved myself? And it's almost like it's hard for me even to like hate and judge other people. Um, because sometimes I'll have this like angry feeling and I'll just think the people that I can be most annoyed with or most angry at are the people that most often are the most need my love the most. And that, and that's what will come to me. And so that's personal. So I think the thought that would come to somebody would be personal and it would be personal. What are those three principles though? Yeah. Well, the first one is about thought. So the three principles are about universal thought, which means like, you know, every thoughts become things. Yeah. Well, thoughts, our thoughts create our feelings and that our thoughts are actually inherently neutral, um, until we breathe life into them. And so like we, you know, the thought of what if I make a cup of tea or is just the same as what if I killed my husband, you know, and people like, wait, like I'm sick. Why did I think that? It's like, Oh, you know, and, or that I need to change these thoughts. And so you know, about the principle of thought is that our thoughts are ever changing. They're flowing, they're transient by nature, which is so exciting um, in that we don't have to do anything. But when we're not resisting our thought, we're not thinking, what, why did I think of killing my husband? I'm so sick. What does this mean about my past? Like, have I been, have I thought about this before? Like, then we get into all of this stuff. But if we just think, oh, like then it will flow. And then we're like, okay, tea, would I have a scone? And like, (laughs) and then we're, and then we flowed. Um, the other principle is about universal mind and also the names don't matter. I always get, um, they're just like what Sydney Banks called them, but, and they're kind of, I could, we could spend days talking about them, but universal mind is a lot about this beauty and intelligence behind the world that we're a part of how the world keeps spinning and there's bees and zebras and that we go and birds yes, and yeah. bird, birds actually and my mentor talks about that like he was I was taking a course with him and he was sitting outside and he saw birds just gliding mm-hmm. and sometimes they need to flap their wings and um yeah and then they glide and and that's in us that you know the three principles talk about human psychological functioning just as like mm-hmm. there's our circulatory system there's our psychological system and that we're always we always come back into balance so even we might be at that awkward dinner and be so in our head and then we settle down you know or Mm -hmm. we might be Mm -hmm. doing our bedtime routine and kind of like checking and then you get into bed and you settle down and sometimes we think well it's because I did something 
but it's not because that's how our body works. Like we come back into balance. And so I guess that can be a part of universal mind, which our wisdom is in there. And our anxious thinking is like this loud brass band. You know, it's like, do this right now, you know, do your light switch, plan for your whatever, you know, plan for your meeting, call the doctor, Google, text. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's judgmental. It's loud. But underneath that is our wisdom, which is like this gentle flute. It's always there. It's not judgmental, but we can get like really caught up. And so then when you kind of settle down and that's why I said it's our wisdom is personal and it might be for you. Like it's going to, it might be like, you'll kind of hear exactly what you need to hear. And like, for example, I guess it was like a year ago, I got caught up in some anxious relationship thinking. Um, and it doesn't mean that I never have this thinking, but it can be more like a TV in the corner of a bar. Uh, Lauren, uh, Lauren thinks that she doesn't touch the light switch, right? That her fiance is going to break up with her. Yeah. Yeah. And so for you, then it's like, oh, your anxious thinking might be that. And then if you wait a beat, or I wonder, do you, do you ever hear kind of a rational thought behind that? Yeah. Yeah, I do. I do. What would that thought say? Um, he can't leave me. All of my shit is upstairs and he spent a lot of money on a ring. <laughs> yeah. It's contrary evidence. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that's, and that's obviously, that's your wisdom. It's like, oh, you know, and so in terms of like, what's one thing, it would be personal to that situation. But if we just give it the opportunity yeah. to, oh, to pop up. And, and it was like, I, yeah, I had the same thing and I had some thoughts and then it was like, it was my boyfriend saying one word. Like, I don't know. I can't remember what it was, but it like snapped me out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, it definitely helps for a little bit. And also I was going to say you're the universal, universal mind. Is that what it was? Yeah. Um, what I think of that is I feel better when I think of those videos, when they show like you and then they zoom out, zoom out and they show the world and they zoom out and so the solar system mm-hmm. and you're like, my brain doesn't matter at all. <laughs> like everything yeah doesn't matter and then that kind of relaxes you well that's why going in nature that's what that is for me yeah i'm like oh the ocean is vast who the fuck am i yeah exactly (laughs) and like the birds like to me i'm like oh yeah some weird thing god or the universe like made this bird yeah (laughs) and like it's beautiful and like everything's fine i think we all like you were saying it's all natural and we all know this it's just how do we trust it Like right before I go live on camera or right before you walk into a party or when you're not necessarily boyfriend, girlfriend yet, or you still, you're together and you don't know. It's like, how do we tap into that stuff that's already inside of us? Yeah. Well, I think like conversations like these, you know, um, and having more opportunities to tap into that, that like you are part of the ocean. You are part of the bird, like to know like how beautiful you are made, how, you know, and so it's noticing when we're stressing ourselves out, when we're scaring ourselves with our thoughts, when we're judging ourselves or others, not like also, I love talking shit. Like I'm a human. It's not like we have to be perfect, but more often seeing like how beautifully we are made. Um, you know, when you see the bird, you're like, but look at me, you know, too. And wow, I that get- takes a talent. That takes a talent. I don't have that. You do. You guys do. You do. I just like, don't know does. if I want it, but I, I understand it. But uh, I'm also like, I'm such a, I am me and I kind of like that, but all, cause like, I'm just, I'm a cynical, I'm a cynical person and I kind of like that about me, but also at the same time, I wish I could look like, like, wow, that's pretty. I don't know. But I think it's very amazing if you could do that. Oh, well, I mean, I think also I'm, 
I'm a human. Like I'm yeah. saying that, you know, and even years ago, yeah. I think somebody, cause I used to always teach mindfulness and meditation and do a lot of that in the schools. And then somebody overheard me like this one other teacher. And he's like, I think we were talking shit, somebody and I, he's yeah. like, you're a human. And I'm like, yes. Um, yeah. so, but I love that you said, but I like that about me. And that's yeah. what it is. Be you. Because also, um, that's what makes the world fun. It's like, also, I, I am not so like, oh, airy, fairy, hippie. Like I'm, hmm. I'm me, but I think knowing, loving exactly who you are and, um, and I guess it's just kind of a practice of like, yeah of knowing, of noticing when you're judging yourself, um, or when you're kind of stressing yourself out. Um, and all of it is just because that takes us away from being present and not in some cheesy at all. I think the goal is like, wait, we all want to be present. Um, and then when we are present, what, what we should say kind of like comes to us, you know? And I think that's where it's like, I used to get caught up even in, in my coaching or like, if I was going to be on a podcast of like, I would feel like I would over prepare. Mm-hmm. That could be the same thing with a business meeting with a social event or with anything. But when you actually show up and you're just present, what you, I mean, sometimes, yeah, we have to prepare if it's like a, a work, yeah. but, but more often than not, what we should say will just come to us. You know, and sometimes it's like, oh, if we kind of just like let our thinking settle, we'll know what to say. Um, and then when we're more present, we're more like content. You know, we don't want to like escape. That makes That's the issue is different. Lily. Go ahead, Ashley. Sorry. No, I know this goes way back. It's off topic. So if you had something on topic, Ness. I was just going to say the issue is Lily, and this is probably a conversation for another day. Is when you when you do stuff on camera, you podcast like the three of us do. A lot of um, a lot of our jobs are caught up in words and not even just words, but the order they're set in. Because if you say a sentence in a different order, um, it can mean something completely different or it could potentially offend, you know, someone. So it's hard. It's 10 times harder to just trust yourself because yes, like the podcast is amazing because it's just the four of us here on Zoom. I can sort of I didn't really have to prepare. This is a natural flow of conversation. Um, But for some reason, when there's a camera there, I feel like I had to rehearse it somewhat in my head, um, come up with potential answers, they would say, come up with my response. And And then I just become less me. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and so yeah. it's this huge ball of a different social anxiety yeah. that I get, you know, where it's like, I just want to be me and I just want to say things the way that they're going to leave my mouth. And I know I'm, I know I can talk because I'm a natural born speaker, yeah. but why don't I trust that? I, sometimes I can't. Yeah. But I think then maybe just posing that to your wisdom. Hey, because I think it, to me, I feel like I heard the answer when you were sharing that. You know, it seems like you think you need to say the words in a certain order, but when you kind of over-prepare, this seems like then you get in your head and when you show up, you're not able to kind of be your authentic self. But it seems like, I guess you're like, okay, I know this, but why, um, is, is it that you're like, wait, I know this, but you're still kind of in the habit and, and maybe afraid. Have you ever tried it where you didn't prepare? I guess, tell me about the time, when's the last time that you felt like you were yourself? You know, when you're like, wait, I was me and it flowed and I wasn't so in my head about the camera. I am the my most myself in the professional setting on this podcast okay. because I have two friends um, who know me and 
I feel like I'm just having a conversation and I have the time to be Naz mm-hmm. and I never prepare for this podcast. But the issue is, is that I don't feel like I can do that. And what is preparation, right? Like when we're all studying for something, preparation is fear. In my head, preparation is fear. You're scared, so you have to prepare. I haven't, I don't know how to find that line between how much do I prepare and how much do I just rely on Naz to just have it in my head and let it come out the way it's supposed to come out. Yeah. I have not been able to crack this. I'm reading this book called The Inner Game of Tennis, which is everything you're saying just through the medium of tennis. Yeah. It's self one versus self two. Self one is us is all those thoughts that all of us are talking about, like check behind the curtain. Yeah. And self two is your body. Your body just knows. So when you're playing tennis and my tennis instructor is like, rack it back, move forward, put your foot. When I'm thinking all those things, my shots are shit. They're fucking awful. But when he just throws me 10 balls and I'm just going like this, my body just knows what to do. It just gets it. Yeah. And it's so fucking annoying to me that we can't just trust our body. Yeah, yeah. It's so hard. Yeah. I love that. So I, I, I was taking a little bit of notes because you said preparation equals fear. So I wonder even if just having a different word, even if it's in your mind, like for what you do, maybe it's like, oh, I set my intentions for how this is going to go. Because it seems like maybe it's just even like that getting caught up in the idea of preparation. And I love that you said the self too is the body because that's, it's, yeah, it seems like, oh, if you're in your body, um, I think you're on your way. I feel like maybe just even being like curious of like, oh, how is this going to, how is this going to play out? Like, you know, it all, it seems like maybe there's just like one little insight. I'm too scared to try it. I'm too scared Wait, to so try you, it. You, you watch your, like a movie and then you research the people you're going to be interviewing. And then that's not where it ends. You write, you like, verbalize what you're going to say actually sometimes yeah like um like for example if i had to work the oscars tomorrow i'm too scared to just prep a little bit and rely on naz and maybe that comes with time maybe after years of doing it i think it just but it's it's annoying though can i just do it now because i'm so much better as me i'm so much funnier as me but i can't be funny because i'm just reciting these rehearsed things so that it's perfect mm-hmm. do you think <laughs> I feel like in this climate you may have to rehearse a lot <laughs> i was just thinking yeah, do you think yeah. you're harder on yourself and you're actually funnier than you are like are you just feeling like you're looking back and you're like oh yeah i could have been funnier um yeah i i well i'm also a perfectionist so yeah a lot of the times i'm like that interview was awful because then i'll drive away Or I'll close my computer and I'm like, oh, I could have said this joke. I could have said this. Why didn't I follow up with this? And then people watch the interview and they're like, that was great. Yeah. 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 Nobody would have thought you're way too hard on yourself. I think there's like a lot of just overthinking in general. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. 
Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Um, do you, I know this is super off topic, but you're talking about you know the panic attacks in Target. Um, what's the difference between a panic attack and an anxiety attack? That's such a great question. From what I've heard is that an anxiety attack, it can be more of like a clear reason why it starts so say for example anxiety clear reason panic like out of the blue people think it's out of blue they're actually and i'll talk about what an unexpected panic attack is but um and so i guess an anxiety attack also could be to me it means like oh you you have it it's not like this like disorder that kind of keeps coming it's like um you know this is silly one time somebody you know, you get those scammers um, and they're like, but sometimes they can seem really convincing. Like the police are going to come on the line. Mm-hmm. Who has your credit? Like something like that happened to me. And I, like, oh. <laughs> Sorry, oh. it's so true. It's like, I, got, I got so caught up in it because it was like something I was like selling my house and there was like, whatever. It was like stuff with my social security number. But so they were saying stuff. And um, as it was going on, I like got, I was like, oh. And um, my breathing, uh, I had a panic attack, but- it was very short lived. And that was, you know, I was like hyperventilating, I, you know, having a hard time seeing probably sweating. Um, and then it, it ended. Um, and that would be called an anxiety attack and, um, a panic attack. And sometimes seem like people are like, wait, it just came out of nowhere. Um, or sometimes people can think like they really want to prevent them and they can be like gang, caught up in the cycle of being very on guard for feeling any hint of a panic attack. And then the panic attack can then come on. And that's when somebody might have like panic disorder when they have many frequent panic attacks. But to me, I mean, they look, well, panic attacks and anxiety attacks can have a different flavor too, where for some panic attacks, it can be very physical. People can think they're having a heart attack. Um, they're having a stroke that really, it can feel like they're dying. And for some people, which that anxiety attack was very physical to me, that one that I explained. Um, when I had panic attacks, they were, um, I had what's called like derealization and depersonalization. And that was when like my reality seemed really weird. So it can seem like things seem bigger or smaller or further yeah, okay. or like, or like you don't recognize yourself or other people. And it can be like very mental yeah, like identity, like the, the the walls closing in on yeah, you. Yeah, and it can seem really like, kind of like, am I going insane now? This is like very unreality. Um, that but does not sound fun. I'd rather no, it, the other one. It, it, I, feel, <laughs> I feel the same way. That one, like, what? I had no idea what it was, um, and that's that's how my panic attacks showed up. Um, but panic attacks and anxiety attacks. Um, actually are only last four minutes. Um, they are a wake up call that they're like, that our thinking is so off. So it's our body sending all of these chemicals and it's like with norepinephrine and all whatever chemicals like noradrenaline. And, but if we don't freak out about them, which is hard, easier said than done, they're gone right. in four minutes. They're gone. And they're just a signal. Wow. But for some people, they can last yeah. hours or sometimes they can have kind of last days um, because Whoa. we we like, ah, ah, and it's like, 
like more more chemicals because our brain is trying to wake us up. I have a, so, whenever I get my eyelashes done or whenever I'm getting a facial, for some reason I feel very trapped and then my, I feel hot and then the hot or massage, a massage that happens all the time. I don't know. I just feel oh. hot. And then when people are touching Lauren's body. But yeah. I don't know. I just feel But like Lauren, a, you feel trapped a lot. Don't you feel trapped in other situations oh, all the time. too? Just, yeah. Yeah. I just want to be alone. It's and more, then, uh, yeah. I don't know. Anyways, it happens whenever it's like four minutes ish and i think like okay just calm down just calm down it'll be fine you're nothing is happening you're gonna live and then usually i can talk myself out of it but if i can't then i throw up okay <laughs> okay but so it seems mm. like yeah that you remind yourself i'm getting stronger at reminding myself that like you're fine yeah yeah and then, it's a matter of talking back to yourself, huh? I think yeah. it can be for some people. It's like, oh, you know, for Lauren, it seems like that's comfortable. And then sometimes it, it also seems like that you have, I think the key is that you have this deep knowing that you are fine. Because if somebody's saying that and they don't actually believe that, then it doesn't work. Like, you know, yeah. but like I'm fine, but it seems like for you, this has happened, unfortunately, a lot of times where you're like, all right, I'm actually fine. Like, because it's yeah. Our alarm, our anxious alarm goes off and it's like, um, just kind of like a faulty smoke alarm. Um, and then you're like, wait, wait, false alarm. I'm safe. Like, yes, I know we don't like to be trapped. This feels like we're trapped, but, but we're safe. And so your body really actually that, that resonates, it's, you know, with you. Um, and so I think when sometimes people say I'm safe, but they don't actually know it, um, Mm -hmm. that makes sense. Like, it seems like you also, um, you know it because when you say that to me, what's underneath it is you're not kind of frantically like scanning your body for like, is this going to get worse? Because that's when sometimes people don't know, they can think, am I now going to go crazy? Yeah. Am I going to have a heart attack? Am I going to have a stroke? Like they're oh, yeah. kind of they're hyper aware, but if you're like, Ugh, all right, I know the cycle, sweating, hot. Yeah. And, um, and then you notice that your body's coming back into balance. Um, For sure. Yeah. I love that feeling of like, okay, like it's a little tingly. You get a little bit cool, like a little bit cold and you're like, you're fine again. Um, mm-hmm. like, okay. You know, I, you know, I just realized we could do based off what you guys just said. Like, it's like before I go on camera or before you go on like to a party, Lauren, we could like sit in the car and be like, okay, so I know when I walk in, this feeling's going to come up. And then I know this is going to happen. And then, I, and then maybe just acknowledging it before it happens. Maybe it's like, oh, okay. Yeah. I knew that. It could work either I don't way. Know. <laughs> no, it could work either way. Ashley's like, that doesn't work for me. Yeah, it could work either way. It doesn't work for her. I'm thinking about Lauren. Yeah. Like, she's going to think too much about it. Oh, well, God. anyway, we do have to run. Lily, but do we have any other we, last minute questions? I don't think so. Lily, you've been a pleasure. Thank you, Thank so, you much. so much for being here. And can you yeah. remind the audience where they can find you on TikTok and Instagram? Yeah, on TikTok, I'm peace from within. And then Instagram, it's just underscore peace from within. Um, and one well. final thing, what you were saying of like, okay, wait, should we prepare? I think in just knowing, oh, I'll be okay no matter what happens. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's mm-hmm. a really good thing of like opening up to, yeah, maybe you won't feel anxious or panicky. Maybe you will feel more present more of the time, but that like knowing like, oh, it's all fine. And your wisdom will get you through everything just as it does. Every time with an eyelash, every time with at a party, like, you know, that your wisdom, it's, it's always there to kind of get you through it, whether you're like, oh, this is so awkward. 
what makes panic attacks worse is you're thinking, okay, I I could faint. And then after I faint, there's going to be people around me putting me in a stretcher and looking at me. And that makes the anxiety attack worse. But then what you got to think if you're having that is then you'll go to the hospital. And then guess what? You'll be fine. (laughs) (laughs) That's so good. No, it's true. Because in my head, I'm like, well, if I mess this up, then I'll get fired. And it's like, well, if I get fired, then you'll be fine. Then I'll find another yeah. job. Yeah. <laughs> then you'll be free. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Right. Thank you so much. Thank you. You're welcome. Yeah, thanks, yeah. Lily. Nice to meet you. Thank Bye, you. Nice to meet you. Bye. If you want to be the most interesting person at the cocktail party, well, hop on over and listen to the Brain Candy Podcast. Our award-winning content will have you laughing while you're learning. We read all the best articles, books, and studies, and keep up with new TV shows, documentaries, and pop culture. And then we cram it all into two shows a week. Conspiracy theories, cannibal rabbits, unsolved mysteries, the history of the Walkman. There's something for everyone. The Brain Candy Podcast. Find our link in the show notes. Or simply search for the Brain Candy Podcast on your podcast app. I don't get it. Podcast.